When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Listen, if you're still living with bladder accidents, stop. It's time to get your life back. I was just like you until I found real relief with Axonix Therapy. It's not a pill or a pad. It's a clinically proven advanced treatment. Get started at findrealrelief.com. That's findrealrelief.com. Consult a bladder specialist to find out if Axonix is right for you. Results and experiences may vary. For more information about safety and potential risks, go to findrealrelief.com. You're listening to a Castaway Media Podcast. Find more great shows at castaway.media or find us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash castawaypodcasts. Hello and welcome to episode 43 of Paterani. And um, thanks for listening. And uh, I know you're going to enjoy this one, whatever you're at, if you're running or in, in the gym rowing or in your car or cooking dinner, whatever you're doing. Thanks for listening. Um, I'm talking to Paul Woodfull this podcast. And Paul Woodfull was in the Joshua Trio with Arthur Matthews, who I talked to last week. And uh, he also was uh, uh, in a band with me called the Hairy Bowsies. Oh, well, there's just two of us now. It used to be a band. Now it's it's me and Paul and uh, we're uh, Scribbler O'Donoghue and Ding Dong Denny O'Reilly. And we've recently released a song called The Crack We Had The Day We Died For Ireland, which was a uh, tribute to uh, the great crack. It must have been just dying uh, for for Ireland. Or some people actually um, didn't really die for Ireland. They just went out to buy a stamp or whatever, uh, or, uh, and just were shot. So uh, I uh, uh, had a, an interesting move. What did I do? Uh, last, well, last Tuesday I interviewed PJ Gallagher for this podcast, and uh, that won't be out for a couple of weeks, but a very interesting and unusual ending to that interview. Um, probably a first in broadcasting, I, w- I would imagine. Yeah, uh, that was Tuesday. Wednesday, I did a live podcast with, a, well, well, a few guests, uh, including Dave McSavage. So you can imagine the ending to that one as well is probably not uh, not your usual ending to a, a, a podcast or even a live event. So uh, a lot of improvising on that. Uh, well worth listening to. So I have a backlog, really. I can't wait to get these out. Um, and uh, what did I do then? Thursday, I uh, went off to uh, Drada and I'm running a gig there in Odd Molly's once a month and that, that was an amazing crack. More improvising of songs. I'm, I'm all into the improvising these these days because it's, uh, it's more interesting for me. Man, I think uh, as I get older, I just don't want to just don't want to do the same material all the time so I'm Im- improvising all the time. Oh yeah, and last week I, I uh, recorded a song... Myself and the Cronin Brothers, who were also in the live podcast, singing their own music. But we recorded a version of Don't You Want Me, Baby. Originally, of course, recorded and written and released by the Human League. And uh, yeah, well, I think that'll be mixed by the weekend. Um, We're bringing out a single. We're also doing a version of Cars by Gary Newman, but a very unusual version. Yes, uh, more acoustic. Um, And so that was my week. Did a bit of running, pulled a muscle in, not pull, kind of tightened up uh, a, a thing, 
could be muscle, could be a tendon or one of those uh, things in that general area in my right calf. So I, I can't even run properly at the minute. I'm just jogging. You just jog lightly. But uh, I'm doing it every day because I just can't be arsed not to do it. I can't be arsed not to run, which I'm too lazy not to run. Uh, I'm trying to get into a routine. So if I stop running and 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 rest, I just know that I'll probably... <laughs> I could I could could leave it for a few weeks and then just not get back to it. So, so I'm just jogging lightly, which is probably the wrong thing to do. But whatever, I'm just, it's really annoying not being able to having to rest. So uh, I feel like a um. Oh yeah, listen, I actually hung out with a couple of real athletes there when I did the seven o'clock show on TV three. There was um, Annalise, who was the girl. That was she's in the Olympics in Rio, but she was the girl who was on the boat in the last Olympics that everybody was cheering on. And and she was in this kind of one person boat. Do you remember? And and there was a few different races and then she won one and she won another. And 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 then she but she overall she came fourth. It was terrible. It was it was terrible. I felt terrible for her. But since then, she's done really well. And then there was another girl, and I can't remember her name, but she was a steeplechase. She's a steeplechaser. It's not a horse. She's a person, a woman who runs over jumps. Um, and yeah, it's just hanging out with real athletes. You always feel like you want to go. Yeah, you know when I'm running, and then you go no, uh, no, no, no. When I'm running, it's nothing like when when they're running. I'm sure they probably run till they puke. That kind of crack. So, yeah. But um, I wanted to tell that girl, Steve Chater, about my sore calf, but I didn't. I kept, I held it back. I, I didn't. It's, um, it's probably something that everyone, in fact, Annalise said that uh, people did tell her how she should have uh, um, manned, I'm going to say manned that boat, but she's a woman. Um, yeah, people who just have a yacht and go on for the weekend uh, wanted to give her advice on how to, uh, to do her boat work well okay uh, well I'll let I'll let you listen whatever you're doing uh, enjoy this it's a wonderful win- uh, interview with the wonderful Paul Woodfall enjoy see you on the other side Okay there? Yeah, I think I'm okay, am I? I'm not too near now or anything. That seems no, that's good, yeah. yeah. And if I'm in close, even one man. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah it's a good day shooting. We're shooting our video today, so. Yes, uh, I think we got plenty of stuff. Yeah, it's the crack, the crack we had. So, um, yeah, Paul, mm-hmm. I mean, I've been working with you for on and off for yeah. 20, 20 years. 20 well, years since well the first time I met you was I booked you when I was ENTS officer in NCID I booked Guernica and that's oh, when I would have met you well that's way back 20 yeah. years ago I think yes I was jealous of your capacity to do the perfect new romantic fringe oh yeah you know um, uh, yeah. I, I just too broad a face to really pull it off okay <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah I missed that I missed that hair um mm. That uh, and so, uh, so um, you you grown up in Dublin, right? Correct. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's uh, what, what, what part? I grew up on Millmount Terrace on Dundrum Road. That's uh, 
where I lived till I was 21 and yeah. uh, then my parents moved up to uh, to Dundrum and then I lived there yeah. for longer than I, I would be uh, confident to say to an embarrassing age I lived there as well <laughs> with my parents oh did you? <laughs> I'll say no more yeah okay but no I don't now I'm no longer no, I know. I've, I've <laughs> three uh, children and everything now mm. so mm. Uh, and uh, I, I know your brother Kieran. Kieran, yeah, yeah, and and your sister, two sisters, two uh, sisters. Joan and yeah, Anne, yeah. yeah. And so, what did your dad do? My dad, uh, well, he started life off as a carpenter, and then he went and he worked. Well, he lived in England. Yeah. A, a lot of uh, my uh, dislike of Ireland uh, stems back to my father's dislike of Ireland. <laughs> I grew up. Uh, uh, so he moved. Finding out how bad Ireland was because my father uh, was in England when I was born. He he had to go away to work in the fifties, and uh, at what he was in. Uh, Different things. He worked as a hotel porter, I think, at one stage, mm. but he worked labouring in England, even though he was a qualified carpenter. And then he worked as a carpenter in Liverpool. He was there and he said that uh, the others were all going to see the Beatles at uh, during their lunch break, but he had no interest in that. Yeah. <laughs> He says he can remember them going to the cavern at lunchtime. At lunchtime, the Beatles were playing at lunchtime. He didn't like pop music. Um, No, no, I'm not going to that. Mind you, you, I I do remember. I'm I'm quite proud of him, though. He he didn't Mm. didn't buy into hype that way, because I can remember as a kid back in about 1962 or three or whenever it was, Kennedy came and they were asking us in school, oh, who's going in to see President Kennedy tonight and all this? And I went home to say, are we going in to see President Kennedy tonight? Ah, no, they'll all be in there. (laughs) And they were right. They they, weren't they? (laughs) Oh, he was right. Yeah, he was right. And my mother would have been very much standing by him on that. Yeah. (laughs) As well, yeah. But yeah, so I grew up with a healthy suspicion of uh, Ireland. Of of Ireland and hype. In general. As well. Um, Of it being good or anything. Because I remember you telling me advice Mm. your father gave you when you were going to go to England. What, oh yeah, that, no. That was when I was going to go away to Amsterdam. Oh, this was this was something that didn't last very long. I think I was yeah. away for about three weeks. This was my first idea. I was going to emigrate, and uh, mm. the very last thing going out the gate. Come here, come here. Uh, just one last word. Stay away from the Irish. That's <laughs> <laughs> brilliant. <laughs> Wise words. Mm. Mm. Uh, and so, did you um, did you have an interest in music from way at a young age? Um, as a kid, I don't think I had particularly. Um, like my father, we weren't a house into pop music. You know, it used to be on the radio. I remember though, I used to get toy guitars and toy pianos as a kid for mm. some reason. Um, my father, comedy, I think. You know, of the time, my father would have been very into comedy. All right, I would have said, you know, like, and even still, like, I mean, he was a big fan of The Office and Catherine Tate, and I mean, he's eighty-eight now, you know, wow. and like, he loved The Office, you know, for instance, like, he, mm. like, actually, he he used to love this thing you used to do on the end, this overdubbing thing. Do you remember? I can't oh, remember. All right, me, myself, and Paul Tyler did a thing called the Psychic uh, Butter, I'm, and he kept he was asking oh, me, uh, you know, who who's Psychic Butter? Who's, who is that? <laughs> And, we were you know, right. No, but he loved that. Like, it's yeah, the ancient you know, annals like he, of Ireland. Yeah, like he did have, mm. you know, like he he was quite into, you know, comedy. So there definitely would have been interest in that and whatever, Les Dawson and 
playing the piano. I mean, father played piano, actually. That was the thing, kind of self-taught. Like, um, But it wasn't really till I was about 12 or 13 when, um, you know, and long hair and glam rock. That was really when I sort of got into music, really. You know, 1970, 71, T-Rex and all that. Do you remember watching Top of the Pops or something and just going... We couldn't get Top of the Pops because... We, we, the reception BBC didn't come in well on our oh. area so we do TV that's so I would have seen Lift Off with Aishir which is where I saw Bowie for the very first time I, yeah. I, I know I was saying that like that was three weeks before he was on the famous Top of the Pops clip and I do remember calling my mother and oh my god come in see this guy and then it was like oh my god what's the story yeah. here because kind of like, you actually wrote yeah. a brilliant piece about Bowie on well, on Facebook or something. Yeah, that was but, kind but, of it. Yeah, yeah, that was the thing. That was my first, and it was l- almost mm. life altering. I think unless yeah. you're from my generation and that you know, and I know anybody who like everybody was talking about him in school when they saw him for the first time. Like it was a game changer when mm. David Bowie first appeared. I, I I don't think anyone could appreciate that he just looked like nothing on this planet. Really. Yeah. What, yeah, imagine song? in Ireland what we were, what it was like at that time. You yeah, know? Oh, uh, it was Starman. Starman. Uh, yeah, and mm. Mick Cronson. I can't remember if he put his hand on the shoulder on lift off with Aishi. As soon as it was a kids' program, he might have just saved that for top of the pops. But uh, which I never, I never well, saw that clip put, at the time. Put his hand on because there's this famous clip, uh, <laughs> you know, when he appeared on top of the pops and he puts mm. his arm around Mick Cronson mm. as he's playing guitar, and it like it just it kind of freaked out, uh, people out, you know, because it just seemed a very gay gesture or whatever, mm-hmm. you know. And, uh, you know, very limp kind of hand over. But it was, it's funny, like, it's really pretty harmless when you look at it. But, like, at the time, it was like, <gasps> you know, kind yeah. of. Um, and such a great song and everything as well. But, yeah, anyway. Yeah. But and because my first album was I bought Stage... Yeah, my, yeah. I've a my first album was Decca's Greatest Hits Volume Two. Yeah, <laughs> which had that song uh, "To Whom It Concerns" that the Late Late Show theme came right. from. I think all kinds of everything was on it. Uh, God, what else was on it? Now? Oh, well, what made you buy it? Over. What made you buy that? One? Um, it was just cheap. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I could only afford, <laughs> I think it was two pounds or something and all the other albums were four and I didn't have four. My yeah. second album that I bought was Taste Live at the Isle of Wight. So a big jump from yeah. uh, all kinds of everything to the thing. And oh, I, I, my memory as well, I think my first single, which was on the advice of my mother, but which seemed the most embarrassing one at one time, and now I'm very quite proud of it, mm. uh, was Honey Come Back by Glenn Campbell, which uh, was... Uh, Written, as far as I know, by Jimmy Webb, mm-hmm. you know, and actually it's not one of his better ones, but like but still it was pretty, now it looks like, oh my God, that's a very, you know, I like to think anyway. Uh, no, it is. But uh, yeah. but then I think my second um, single was Jeepster, I think, you oh, know, which that was, uh, you good. know, fairly happy about that, you know. Yeah. But, mm. I think my first, I don't know which my first one, but my first two, definitely Ready to Rock, Wizard. Oh, that's, that's my pretty, first one. Yeah. And then I went halves with my sister. I didn't have enough money to buy a single, but it was uh, Mandy Fly Me, Tensy Oh, wow, well, that's a good so That's not bad. Pretty cool ones, yeah. yeah. I know Maggie May by uh, Rod Stewart was uh, 
you know, that was a it was very that was an early one that I bought as well, and it was number one all over the world, number one in America and Britain at the same time. The first single that was number one, I, I think single and album number one in America and England at the same time, but. It never made number one in Ireland. It was kept off the number one slot by Did You Ever, this country song from America. And I was willing it to be number Jesus. one. And I thought, oh, God, I bought it maybe this week, you know. And of course it wasn't. But did little did ever? I know uh, the charts were I just wonder, then. did you ever? Well, I think they were the just time. decided by yeah. the boys in RTE really? near I, enough. I remember know. listening to Larry Gogan's Top 20 and my brother. I used to listen to that. Yeah. I used to well, illegally tape it. My first uh, oh my foray God. into the world of piracy. It's pretty innocent when you consider what's happening now. Then people mm. just download. Yeah, I was way ahead of my time. <laughs> yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know. But uh, listening to the top twenty, and my brother was five years older. Than, he still is five years older than me. Uh, he, the songs were getting. We were waiting for something good to come on, and it'd be like, ah, it's uh, number fifteen, and it'd be like Big Tom mm. and the Mainliners, yeah. and Dear it, God by Hugo Duncan. <laughs> And, and it was getting so bad. Like, we were getting to mm, number three and still not heard a good song. Yeah. He was taking it out on me and uh, he said, if the next song is shit, I'm going to sit on you and fart on your face. <laughs> I remember thinking <laughs> that like, until yeah. when I had uh, the Joshua Trio single and actually Larry Gogan went out of his way to play it. And I actually really? ended up thanking him, <laughs> you know. So so in the end, uh, you know, I, it was kind of a thumbs up, a late thumbs up. So he was... You know, while he stuck I, his neck out for Hugo Duncan and Larry Cunningham yeah. and these lads, you know, well, did he, I, I was a late he, recipient I, of his kindness. No, you know. no, no. But he didn't make the charts. He just presented them, I presume. Mm. And uh, so did you learn to play an instrument then around that time? I or? learned uh. to play. <laughs> yeah, it was... A, I, I had wanted to play for ages and I remember, yeah, in mm. school, one of the Christian brothers was teaching the guitar mm. and... I, I was going in early every morning to see him teaching the guitar and I didn't have a guitar and I was begging it and I was begging it. And I remember I didn't believe, I still believed in Santa Claus up to sixth class, very sadly, you know, and but the brother in school told us there's no Santa Claus. And I went home and said, told my mother and she says, yeah, it's actually true. We were thinking we might tell you. Now that you're just about to go into secondary, uh, you know that, yeah, wow. there was no Santa Claus. Mm. But as a special thing, because it's a very tough year when you first find out there's no more Santa Claus, we decided we'd buy you a big present and they bought me a guitar. So that was my first guitar. Wow. <laughs> and uh, in I went then. I went into the B class. He had an A and a B class for the guitar, but I was so obsessed with it, playing it every night. I, I graduated after about two weeks into the A class playing. And I learned, yeah, the guitar, playing Irish ballads, more or less. Like yeah. It was kind of, yeah, you know, so... Those lessons by Brother Casey stood me in good stead for the stuff I the did later on. It was all Dundani, yeah. Roddy McCarley going to die on the Bridget Croom today. They had a little songbook, in fact, in yeah. the, in our school. The only music in the secondary, we didn't even do music or art. Yeah. Um, but like we had a, a, gr- a songbook with a green cover with a harp on the front. And it was all, uh, you know, <laughs> was all, you know, all the good stuff, you know, the rising of the moon. And, yeah. You know, so, yeah. That, that's where I learned the guitar. And and uh, so did you start beginning to like really get um, influenced by 
glam rock and all that. Oh Look, yeah, like, like looks wise as well, dress sense. I that used kind of thing. to, yeah, I used yeah. to go into my my aunt. We, I had a your uh, cousins in the Indians. That's right, yeah, I had yeah, two the, cousins the, in the Indians. Uh, Indians show band. One of them is still in the Indians show band. Yeah, uh, he was my landlord up until about ten years ago. Yeah. In fact, but he. Uh, Brian, I don't know what his Indian name is. They all have Indian <laughs> names. Dull Knife, I think, was the good... Or Medicine Crow, I think, was one of them. I don't know anymore. Mm. Whatever. Dull Knife was one of them. I think an odd name for a guitar player. Dull like, Knife. Kind of a bit like Slash, but not... You know, <laughs> Dull do, Yeah. Not quite Slash, but... I'm, but he, well, he, would, were, well, he was a very good guitar player, actually. Like, yeah. But he used to... He was a big fan of the Shadows, so they used to do... Well, the Indians and Apache and Apache, yeah. and all Riders the in the have Sky and all, have a all the ones on the album. I think live Indian they didn't, relative. but they did have like Tobacco was an Indian plant was one of their songs and um, Running Bear, like Running Bear. They did, yeah. yeah. I think they had Running Bear and Wigwam Bam. They oh, used to do, yeah, of course. Um, but uh, bizarrely, he told me that when they were getting their costumes made in London, that Gary Glitter was getting his costume made. Um, wow! In the same place, uh, but maybe I should move on from that I well, before I speculating I on any. No idea. But yeah, apparently, yeah. anyway, whatever. But so they were kind of around the same time as Lamb Rock. Like they kind of somehow must have picked up on this idea of dressing and wearing a kind of makeup. Yeah. But and they used smoke bombs. I never saw them live. I nearly got to play with them one time, which mm. I was sorry I didn't actually. Mm. I would like to have tried. I think my parents didn't tell me they were looking for a guitar player. Mm. I don't know. Maybe I don't know. And were, were you, so were you dressing in the glam manner? Well, in my aunt, makeup or anything? Well, there was an aunt's house we mm. used to go to, you know, and this was, like, every, like my aunts were fantastic. These three aunts that mm. lived together in Inchicore and, like, we used to almost be indulged in anything we wanted to do as kids but like mm-hmm. when I was kind of getting into the music when I you know say around 1971 or something like that yeah I used to be, they used to let me put on makeup and wear their jewellery and all this wow. kind of thing and I and they had pretty you know kind of how would I say glamorous clothes to mm. some degree so like yeah I'd get to do this and I'd be singing I remember I used to sing Starman I think there's even a tape of me singing Starman um, which of course typical me I didn't uh, bother to get it changed into some other format but uh, and I, I remember another one Labby Sifri's song uh which was the one It Must Be Love I think okay. which uh, I remember playing that uh, you know but like these various songs and then making up the odd song myself you know um, and then we do these little concerts then, yeah which well, you, you and your my sisters, sisters and, and then my brother Kieran, yeah. who was a baby at the time him mm. actually we sang this song uh, the push bike song as well actually uh, with you Mungo, know, Jerry. Mungo Jerry yeah, yeah. and, and my up my down little, my, son, or my, my brother Kieran, like not able to play it pro- you know he mm. just had a Beatles little plastic Beatles guitar yeah. to be singing it pulling up his nappy while he was singing it. <laughs> so that was our first band uh, myself and Kieran. and, uh, and yeah. so these aunts are well they're all dead now actually they, but, sadly mm. uh, but yeah well, are you talking about aunts that live you saying three aunts that live together yeah they live really? together in a house in Inchicore yeah wow. Uh, just mm. up the road, actually, from the cousins who are in the Indians. Actually, one of my cousins, Dermot, mm. who died tragically in an accident coming back from a gig in Canada, he was a brother of the two who were in the Indians. Yeah. And he was in a band with Brian Downey before then, Lizzie, wow. the Sugar Shack, who, like, they had a hit in the single. It was a 
it was a song by Jim Rose or Tim Rose, whoever wrote Hey Joe, you know, that song that yeah. Jimi Hendrix did. He wrote that. In fact, I saw him do a gig in the late 70s in Belfield, this guy. He was a sort of folk singer, but they did this song. Jim Rose. Uh, yeah, yeah. Or Tim, Tim Rose. Tim Rose, I Tim think, Rose. was yes. his name. Jim Rose is the circus. Yeah. Mm. Uh, like Rose. Dave Fanning. Mm. Would he, I've, I've heard Dave Fang play this song a few times, in fact, you know, yeah. like he seemed to like, you know, it was sort of a late, 60s bluesy thing but he was supposed to be uh, you know a great guitar player Terry O'Neill seemed to know him one day I remember when he heard the name Woodford he says you know I knew your cousin or is that your cousin or is it your yeah. brother or whatever yeah so you know he um, but yeah Brian Downey was in that band apparently so yeah wow. I don't know but then he split and then he went to Canada and whatever and mm. yeah so but yeah so there, that'll be but I, I didn't know those cousins that well I mean we didn't Really, we were the poor relations. In fairness, like we probably weren't as well off as some of the other cousins yeah. and stuff. But and uh, then when you left uh, school, so, so you're going to school. And there's no art, no music in this secondary yeah. school. So what, 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 so I got the only honor I got in school was actually in art. Uh, which in art the school, I thought you said there was no fair. art. There wasn't. We I used to go in on Saturday mornings in the very last year. Uh, we used to go in on Saturday mornings if we wanted to do art so I would oh. go in and then the only honour I got was in art wow. uh, so I, I liked so, the kind of school failed me although you know I suppose yeah you just yeah. didn't have any no they didn't do uh, art they did they did but hymns also, but in, in first general year we school did sacred music as a, they had a subject uh, yeah. and uh, yeah but school in general wasn't going well for you no, I, I no. wasn't. No, I wasn't good in school. I was good in school in the primary, and then it just mm. all went to hell in uh, the secondary. Really, uh, did you get in trouble in school? Or no, not know? really. I was kind of quiet. I just couldn't concentrate. I couldn't mm. study. I always remember, bizarrely, coming up to the leaving. Um, my brother, who was much younger than me, was watching Sesame Street. So I, I just remember watching Sesame Street coming up to the leaving cert. Really, like watching, you know, Oscar and the like and um, trying to study but I'd have the book open in front of me and I'd mm. be trying to study and it just wouldn't go in mm. at all I just couldn't get it together it seemed I don't know um, mm. and uh, I think that it was a problem I had later on in life. I think it might be ADHD or something like that because uh, it's like kind of if I'm not interested in something it's not a, a rebellion thing it's actually I just can't get yeah. it together if I'm not interested in something and if I am interested in something I'm obsessive about it yeah. like you know which I know is that apparently ADHD I think <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah you know if you're yeah, into you know something you just straight yeah, into it like it's mm. and like yeah, yeah obsessively mm. well you know even trying to come up with a comedy song how obs you know yeah. trying to make things rhyme and do that sort of stuff mm. You can spend like three days mucking around with just, you know, just the constantly on, yeah, getting it to get it. And it's kind of mad, really, you know, in a kind of a way, you know, but but it does, I think it takes an obsessive quality to do that or something, you well, know. It's brilliant. I mean, you know, it's not well, everyone could do. I mean, I was talking I don't to find it disagreeable since no. I got. I was afforded the opportunity or like like if you do it at least a few people were willing to listen to it which seemed to make it worthwhile so like in that sense I feel it kind of worked out to do that kind of thing yeah it so. was the kind of obsession that you would hear like Thomas Walsh from Pugwash was in here he, he right, would obsess yeah, about yeah. getting it right and then he said when he worked with Neil Hannon he brought mm. it to another level where he just when you thought yeah. it was exactly right you'd yeah. still work on it again but 
when it mm. comes to comedy, you don't expect somebody's going to be that particular. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I know it's a kind yeah, of a funny balance, isn't it? Because you know the way mm. with comedy, but you're, you're right. trying to allow. <laughs> you you kind of have to allow the spontaneous as well. Like even when we'd be doing a video or something like that. Mm. You know, you are trying to just do stuff on the day because you know that's fresh. But you also. Yeah tend to try and do the groundwork and have ideas worked out and have things but you know that mm. the spontaneous probably works as well but you kind of need both, both don't you yeah, yeah. Um, and so how when you um, uh, left school then did you go straight into our college or did no you, I didn't no, yeah. I, I, I bizarrely I worked for four years for Sinead O'Connor's father uh, yeah. as a trainee draftsman Obviously, you probably should be actually trained after about two years, but I was more or less. In fact, my entire sorry career as a draftsman was probably as a trainee draftsman <laughs> because I, that was that was a continuation of that pattern of wanting to be good at the job. I wasn't I wasn't really rebellious by nature or anything mm. like that idea that like I want to be or I play music. I want to be. It was more like I just kept getting eventually after being fired from six jobs in total like uh, that I kind of realised but I worked for Sinead O'Connor's father you know I mean he he was a good employer I would have to mm. say you know like you know and probably put up with a lot you know not not that I was troublesome but just put up with a lot and do you know mm. oh my god I do remember him criticising me when Punk came along for he, he was suggesting maybe he was he you know, what, he asked me, like, what was I doing coming into work dressed like a Christmas tree? Yeah. <laughs> Which is quite accurate in fairness. You know. So hang on, so punk came along and... Well, you, I, was, well you, I was initially kind of a hippie. I'd hair yeah. really long and I was into this macrobiotic diet, which I was doing for about two years. Which, which entails on? Which is kind of, kind of based on a kind of a Japanese idea about eating that was kind of connected with Zen. You ate according to yin and yang and you tried to, mainly ve- vegetables and grains and uh, seaweed and things like this, but you kind of balance these out according to how yin or yang they were was the general idea of it. Mm. I don't really go along with this now, by the way. I know it's, I seem to be saying that in a serious voice, which... No, but you know, but um, it's amazing that you. you but I did. I was chewing everything a hundred times. Are you serious? Uh, yeah. Apparently, mm. the I, I believe uh, Gwyneth Paltrow is eats according to a macrobiotic diet. You know, but I, I did this. Uh, yeah, but I was. I remember I was tired all the time and forgetting everything. You know, which is something I'm used to now. But uh, you know, but I was only whatever eighteen or nineteen. It was straight after I left school, and there were these shops. It was a bit of a thing back about 1975, 76, but then kind of punk came along and kind of rescued me from that. So punk um, came, uh, when did you be start being influenced by punk? Probably 78, really, 78, by the time right, yeah. it hit Ireland, I, I think, you know, maybe late 77, but I think it was probably 78. And uh, then just started going into town and, so you what know. What bands did you see? Or uh, I would have seen... Uh, well, I would have seen in Ireland. I saw you too, certainly mm-hmm. a number of times before they, you know, they were big. Like I saw them in the Project Arts. I saw them in the Dandelion twice. In fact, I kind of knew them to say hello to. We all hung around this shop, No Romance, a clothes shop, a punk clothes shop owned by uh, Johnny Fingers Sisters. You know, mm-hmm. um, Regine Moyes. Johnny Fingers, uh, the from Susan the Boomtown Rats. Yeah. And so mm. we hung out there and Bono hung out there and, you know, and yeah. uh, we all bought our 
punk outfits there, really. And uh, even I even remember, like, we used to go to the Magnet Bar to this band, The Strange Movements. I, I jammed Pretty Vacant and the Hokey Cokey with The Edge and a few others, yeah. I think the Bottle of Milk, who was in The Virgin Prunes later, kind of, and um, one of the Boy Scouts, if you remember them as well, was, this was, it was just, they used to have these jams and up we got and we did this. But, Seriously? Um, yeah. And years later, as a bit of a thing, we, we, with Tony St. James, we played the Edge's sister's wedding and they got up and played. And Tony St. James is the character that you do. Which yeah, is he's like a, a bad cabaret Bad cabaret actor. And you played guy. the Edge's sister's yeah, wedding. Yeah, with this. And Bono got up, he sang Please Release Me, uh, dedicated yeah. a verse to Tony. Uh, the Hottest Flares got up, played uh, Tie Yellow Ribbon on the Tin Whistles. Yeah. And uh, then the Edge got up and I actually got to play, got him, we did uh, Hokey Cokey again. I, I said, oh, why don't we play the Hokey Cokey? Uh, and uh, so we did, you know, that. And uh, that was, I can't remember what else we played that night, but he played something else. But uh, um, he was seemed impressed with my guitar when, I, when he played it, actually, which was a nice guitar, unfortunately stolen out of the van then. It was a 1967 Telecaster of course, stupid of me leaving it in a van overnight, like, you know, with yeah. laziness, uh, you know. After a gig, is it? Yeah. Mm. But um, but anyway, that, that was... Wow. Mm, but yeah, so that, um, you know, but we hung around, but I, I worked there for four years. And then... I, I actually brought Sinead O'Connor for a walk in the park with... I used to collect her brother from school every day, which this was part of my job was training. She used <laughs> yeah. to get, her brother, John, uh, one, of, one of the few of the family who isn't famous, I think. But, uh, mm. you know, and I used to bring him home every day, which I preferred to actually being a draftsman, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. I think it was probably, but I, I, yeah, on one occasion I was asked to bring Sinead and him and his sister down to the Stephen screen for a walk. Yeah. So, uh, what age is Sinead? She's only but she's a little girl. She was like 12, I think, 12. at that time. She's yeah. skinhead. No, no, she wasn't, but <laughs> I think she was r- regarded as troublesome at that point, but, mm. um, you know, whatever. But she seemed very nice that day, as I recall. So, uh, you know, mm-hmm. so that that was uh, who who would have guessed, you know. But uh, and then I then I went to work for another company that I got fired from. Or I was advised to leave, or recommended I leave, and encouraged when I was interested in the idea of going to Amsterdam. And then I was unemployed for a while, and then I got a job in the gas company where Google is now in a port cabin for uh, two years. Actually, in the, I shared that port cabin with the old drummer of the Blades, actually. <laughs> this is unbelievable. So you're like I know, it's kind of bizarre. Bumping into and hanging out with people who are end up kind of in bands. And I love that. That was a great, because that was around mm. 1981 I was uh, mm. in uh, in the gas company, and uh, it's kind of mad, like, how, how you change. Now I kind of, I'd wear anything, but more or less the criteria is you know, I've no interest in clothes. I just want to wear something that I'm not going to cause any problem with. When it was actually the complete opposite then, I would wear anything as long as it would get your attention. Really? You know, like, in 1981. Well, I, you know, I used to go into work like with, uh, well, I had the hair bleached blonde and spiked up mm. and kind of Howard Jonesy thing, but and and of course the eyeliner and all that and um, and let the stars on my face 
Which wasn't really a new romantic thing, but it was more or less because of the line in all the young dudes, Johnny's got scars from ripping off the stars from his face. So wow. I kind of liked the idea of having these little, you know, those little stars they used to put in copy books. Yeah, yeah. And, and then other ones, yeah, so I used to put them on, you know, and, and another kind of silvery star and get whistled at by the lads, you know, because they had all mm. the pipes, all the lads would be laying down the gas pipes would be in there and I'd be going in. And it was like, I was so almost proud to be whistled at, you know, that mm. kind of way, you know, it's like, you know, so in I'd go and then I'd draft. But <laughs> what is I, draft? Actually? Well, I well, it, well, it used to be in the particular branch I was in was reinforced concrete detailer was the title. So I'd be <laughs> engineers that kind of tell you what needed to be. And I was supposed to work out what kind of reinforcing bars would go in these beams. Mm-hmm. And um more than that, I can hardly tell you about it. Like, I, I was always getting it wrong. I would, I'd start off not bad in the job, and as mm. time would go on, I'd get worse and worse and worse. But in the gas company, I was actually, we were, they were taking these old maps, some of which were going back to the turn of the century, actually mm. had the old names, like, you know, like Sackville Street for O'Connell Street. Mm. And the location of all these different pi- gas pipes would be there, and there you'd be, kind of in the gas pipe, blah, blah, blah. But like, Jesus Christ, uh, I'd fear for people's lives at the job I did now, you know, like really tread carefully if you're if you're digging up, you know, don't don't, you know, uh, be careful of those gas pipes. They really could be anywhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? But yeah, so that's what I did for two years and then was unemployed. And then that, you know, and then was sort of trying to be in bands. I was in bands like the Skank Mooks. Yeah, yeah. Look, this is like amazing because when I was at school out in Kildare, uh, I bought the Hot Press yearbook, and Mm. uh, so I'd be just looking at all the band Mm. names. But one of them, the Skank Mooks, I went, "Ah, "What a brilliant name!" It was the the lads, and that was you. They got the name from that film Mean Streets, uh, where they said, "You're a skank, you're a mook." Yeah, yeah. What's a mook? Yeah. But they were these guys. They were kind of like the punk gang who hung around town, yeah. and there was a whole pile of them. And they said they were a band, but none of them could play. Yeah. And then I came along, and I kind of said, "Well, like, well, if you want to try and do a few gigs, and I kind of could play, like." Mm. And then, but Johnny Bonnie, who's now on the radiators, he was going to be the drummer and bought his first drum kit, and mm. he actually kind of did kind of. L- learn how to play quite quickly like he actually mm. could kind of play but like say the bass player I used to just say no just I'll tune that to A you just play that string and I'll do stuff around that and that would be kind of it and mm. and then we kind of got a bit better and then they got, I got a friend of mine Fred in and he could kind of play and then and then there was it was a kind of a four piece but before that there were any number of people who would have been in it and the bottle of milk was in it who was sort of doing stuff with the Virgin Browns who was now a professor in some German university actually Uh, Tommy McCann and you know so but they weren't they were almost not really a band it was more like uh, you know this gang who were the almost the punk crowd in Dublin in a way you know Mm. Um, so and so did you meet up like was, was there rehearsal studios around or no, the, Where would you? Well, there we were never in. We used to just meet in one of their. They they lived in Arbor Hill, and we just practiced in their house. And mm. I can remember that I had this amp and speaker, at, and everybody went through that amp. And we used to make the speakers, but the speakers would blow. Like we get these really cheap speakers, and they blow after like a couple of hours. You make speakers. 
Well, you know, you'd make the box and you'd yeah. screw in and you'd buy a, you'd get a speaker, speaker from no, because yeah. it was too wasn't big enough yeah. to handle the amp. And I bought off my cousins had a music shop actually on Dame Street, and I bought the amp off them. This mm. kind of yoke that seemed to came from the forties. Actually, it looked like something you'd find in a Spitfire, you know, yeah. <laughs> you know. That. And then, uh, then we kind of. Uh, yeah, we just all went through this thing, and uh, and then and there was one plug in their house at the end, and but it had loads of those little connectors, and we were just practicing this, and yeah, and I think we used to have to pull a curtain, and their uncle and the father was in there, like it was kind of yeah, and that's where we practiced these things, and then we do gigs, and we did, and was it like pure punk? One, two, three. No, it wasn't really no. actually, to be honest, because I probably didn't do that stuff. We did a song. I mean, I, to be honest, it was kind of jokey. I made it probably kind of jokey because uh, yeah. I always seem to be turning things into jokey things, like mm-hmm. I suppose. And like we did Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star. And I can remember like we'd start off like, let's start at the very beginning. Uh, you could play start when you read, you begin with baby Sue. When you sing, you go, oh, fuck this. Let's make it a bit easier and blah, blah, blah. And then into Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star, in yeah. a kind of a punk style. Yeah. Which actually Bono did say after one of the gigs that he liked of all the songs in the set he liked Twinkle Twinkle Little yeah. Star so he better not bloody well cover it now yeah. <laughs> was Bono called Bono then? I don't or, remember him we uh, knew him as Paul actually yeah, yeah. no I didn't know him well like he was yeah. just one of these people on the mm-hmm. scene that you would run into I do remember after his last <laughs> after the last gig in the Dandelion coming up and I was saying geez, that was, you know because to be honest they were kind of brilliant in their, you know, in their mm. early years. I remember the single coming out, the Out of Control, Stories for Buzz. I remember it on Fanning before it was a single. And I got the 12-inch, which is, there's only a thousand oh, of them. Wow. But you still like, have it? Yeah. Oh, wow. And like, you know, and it was kind of like, but, or, you know, but it was like, there were loads of bands that were like, I want to go to, the vocal the same as the guitar, you know, all that. And then all of a sudden they had this thing, Stories for Boys and Out of Control, was like, Jesus, like, how did they get, like, this good so quickly? And Mm. there it was, and it was like, oh, my God, did you hear that? Like, now, they were kind of regarded as people, you know, there'd be a lot of people giving out saying they were posers and they were not, but they were definitely suddenly a leap forward and much more, like, you know, this is kind of interesting what they were at. And, like, and then suddenly they were doing that kind of stuff with the gigs. And then they had a decent enough PA into the Dandelion because the Dandelion, the sound in the Dandelion for the other bands had been atrocious. Like, mm. uh, I never played it myself as it happens, but okay, it was so bad, I remember. It was in this car park that was sort of half covered over at the side of the Dandelion market. It was so bad, actually, that like I remember a guy one day getting that he got a shock just he walked into a puddle in the place uh, <laughs> and he got an electric shock. <laughs> he was just walking through the market yeah, in the, in where the venue, in where the venue was, was and got a shock. And was, yeah, from and he stood the... in this pool and he got a shock. <laughs> but, uh, but there was uh, this guy. But Bono asked me afterwards, "Was the sound okay? Did you think the sound, you know?" And it did actually, in fairness, sound quite good. But you know, a lot better than uh, the hundred watt PA or whatever it was that they would have been. People would have been going through before that. But like, yeah. Mm. But it really wasn't that long after that that they became quite big and uh, never spoke to me again. Well, that's not quite true. They did speak to me at the Edges Sisters' wedding. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, but, but you know, really, that was quite a while. Like, that was a good 15 years maybe afterwards. Yeah. Like, so, you know, yeah, you know. 
What? <laughs> Did you know uh, the uh, there was other bands like the Theatrix? No, I didn't no, know them. I them. never saw them. DC Nine. I did know DC Nine. In fact, uh, dare I say it, my memory of DC Nine was who were kind of like a you know futuristic kind of band. Hmm. They oh no, they, yeah, they, when they were DC Nine, who became Tokyo Olympics after yeah. that. But like they were all songs, a, a bomb, a bomb, a neutron bomb. They had yeah. a song that went like that and they were uh. kind of that sort of thing, you know, and, uh. you know, maybe like early Simple Minds and early or something like that. Do you know that? Kind right, of, yeah. You know, very new wavy. But they had a, the guitar player was a skinhead really, like yeah. oddly, because that wasn't really what the music was like. But they had this big following with the Black Catholics. And I remember. Oh, this gang. Yeah, who were really dangerous. Like, and I remember, yeah. you know, I, I was at a DC9 gig in McGonagall's and I had to run out. I ran all the way because they mm. suddenly actually were going to beat me up. Uh, just, I think, because I was a bit poncy looking, really. Mm. Not, they didn't like the direction punk was taking with the likes of me. Like, you romantic look. I just wanted to be, to be honest, if I had my way, I just wanted to be. David Bowie really like mm. punk was almost but, but allowing what, what, me to be that was that, that dangerous mm. to go around dressed up oh yeah or it was. Lo- even I looking like remember, a punk or yeah and I remember being at a band called The Outcasts in 78 yeah, outside Northern Hellfield, Irish band yeah, and they were kind mm. of skinheady as well yeah. and like I remember the Black Catholics outside we were all queuing up outside to get in and uh, then a fight broke out and the Black Catholics were going around beating people up and then we were all let in yeah. uh, because to get away from the fight they yeah. open up the doors and they come in quick, come in quick, you know, and blah blah blah. But the gig had to be pulled, you know. Why are they called the Black Catholics? I, d- I can't know. remember. There was a reason they called uh. themselves that, but I can't remember. And what they're it a was. gang of young. They were a gang of crowd sort of from skinheads. a particular they were from area. A punk crowd. There was a guy Brummy who yeah. was from Birmingham who, who I remember getting. I was at the Ramones and chatting away to him, seemed to get on fine with them, mm. and then. For some reason, well, he he kind of he you know he he didn't really like. I was probably a bit middle classy, although I'm not really that middle classy, really to be honest. But like in their his mm. eyes, I think that I might have been seen as one of these posy poncy type punk types, mm. you know, and uh, more new wavy, I suppose. And then mm. so that that was uh, that was. I think the same thing happened in London, like because people say, like I remember a documentary. I think it might have been about the clash, and they were saying how like it had just got really ugly, and suddenly it was like people being beaten up. Like there was a load of trouble. I mean, I saw the Stranglers, supported by U two, in the top hat actually, mm. and like they were going, you know, there was people going around beating up people, and and then there was the Belfield stabbing, which was of course put Ireland on the map of oh, nastiness around what that time. There? Well, it was that. The radiators were on stage. It was a, mm. a three. Uh, uh, I think there was the Vipers and the radiators, and uh, I, actually, it might have been the Vipers who were on at the time. But like, and there was a guy stabbed in Belfield by a guy who was in my school who did it actually. But um, and he and, died, and the guy died. Yeah, he. I think he. You know, and yeah, uh, and uh, that was like it was on the cover of the Enemy and everything about this, mm. like a stabbing, a murder at a gig in Belfield. And uh, yeah, and I did know that guy because he was in my school, but he he was that friend of mine, Fred, who was in the Skank Mooks. He was a good friend of that guy who did the murder. Like, I suppose it was one of these things. I mean, he came out, he was from a very posh background in Mount Mary and this guy, you know, but uh, I don't know. I mean, I, you know, I, I don't particularly. 
want to speculate yeah, yeah, but you yeah, know yeah, but that's yeah, kind yeah, of what happened yeah. you know but it was very nasty but mm. but it did become very nasty the punk thing really mm. you know at a certain mm. point you know and you too they would have hated you too those people like there you would have been a bunch of people chanting you two are posers at at their gigs, you know what I mean, and and then the Virgin Prunes would have been nearly bigger, even though they were they were kind of mates. The one thing I can remember is that walking home from McGonagall's at these gigs and and being you know dressed dangerous and being scared out of your life mm. coming home. And I do remember getting a punch like one night coming mm. home, and and we scared out of our lives coming from the Magnet because it was quite rough walking. Was that in Pier Street? Yeah, yeah, yeah. and like. There'd be the teddy boys used to want to beat up the punks, you know, mm. this was kind of it, or, you know, mm. and so they'd be nearly waiting. But luckily, that I never was at the receiving mm. end of that particular thing. And then at what yeah. point did you go to uh, art college? I was 26 or 27. Right. It would have been the mid 80s, you know, I think it was 84, maybe 83 or 84. Mm. I think it was 84 that I went to art school, 10 CD. Uh, and it was after doing the bands for a couple of years, and then I kind of. And and seen as I, I it looked like drafts being a draftsman wasn't going to work out. Seen mm-hmm. as I've been unemployed for two years after the ga- after being fired from the gas company actually, mm-hmm. um, and uh, then uh, and, the, and 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 you you became an ENTS officer there, did you? I did, or, yeah. yeah. That's where I and first you met your good self. Yeah, but yeah, 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 I remember. Yeah, used to book a house a lot actually cause oh, yeah. when I was ENTS officer. It was quite. Uh, yeah, I, I was. Yeah, quite prejudiced really about who I booked. I, I certainly did. Was so you should be booking who I mm. wanted and yeah. constantly withstood the pressure from the uh, student body to book the hothouse flowers. Oh, no. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No way. Yeah. Or the Benzini brothers. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, not yeah. going to fall for that Benzini brother. Oh, they're really good. They're really great. I, I, mm. No way. No. Oh, mm. couldn't get the hothouse flowers. Oh, we have a, oh, a house are willing to do it. But I, mm. I can remember something happens all right one night and the, and the power kept breaking but and the happens stood by me. Various other bands said, "No, we're not playing. We, it'll be embarrassing with the cutting, power cutting out." Yeah. And the happens stood by me, and oh, uh, I did a gig. Yeah. And um, mind you, I think the same night there was a crowd. Uh, shark bait. You shark bait. Them. Rockabilly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, who, uh, Billy, the man, man who was in the commitments. Yeah. Was yeah. In Finnegan. Finnegan. Yeah. And uh, but mm. I remember. Yeah. They they, they robbed. <laughs> a load of stuff in the dressing room that night robbed a guitar off one of the other bands apparently broke it fighting each other at a taxi rank (laughs) (laughs) one of them smashed the guitar over the others in their own band (laughs) and then we did another band the Bone Shakers who hated shark bait they were also rockabilly rockabilly, band they did a big drawing of a Finnegan up on the uh, on the wall, dressing room wall, and it was like they'd all these spots on his face. <laughs> Join the dots, <laughs> Finnegan. <laughs> Jesus, Christ. I'm, I'm sure this is all libelous, is it? I mean, I'm not going to. Nah, it's fine. Yeah, um, it's fine, but, uh, but I wouldn't have said it about Finnegan back in those days. He was uh, a man you wouldn't have crossed. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. brilliant. They were actually brilliant live. They, yeah, with necrophilia blues. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> This is it, like, I know people seem to think we were all mad Catholics in the 80s, yeah. but Jesus, like, we were all dancing to scraping fetus off, off the wheel. Fetus <laughs> I mean, over Frisco. Come on, we, yeah. you know, look, we were fighting the good fight, weren't we? Uh, uh, Throb and gristle and all this kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, you know, and su- yeah. Uh, suicide, the final solution oh, by suicide. suicide. That was a great, um, that was one... Um, 
you know, we, we uh, went to the what, park. What, to one uh, uh, mm. a song that scared the shit out of me because I put it on, I put all the lights off and put um, Frankie. Is it suicide oh, song? Oh yes, uh, suicide Frankie. Frankie. Frankie's killed his kids. Frankie. <laughs> <laughs> and that actually yeah, scared the shit out of me. It scared the shit out of me. In fact, recently for um, yeah. a dark comedy night in the badass, I stuck that track on. Um, oh no, final solution was actually by uh, uh, Oh Pierubu. Pierubu, yeah. Pierubu. Yeah. I thought I was called. Pirubu um, yeah. What's the uh, Don't need a job Need a final solution Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Wasn't too yeah, and then Great song non Angels pact. Comstat Angels oh, yeah. If ever an album that. Set out its stall uh, It did You know First line in it Hello daily life I don't want to fight today I surrender I put my toys away yeah. uh, Were they on uh, Factory Comstat Angels I don't think oh, they were well. Oh. A great band, actually. I, I remember the band right. called Crispy Ambulance. Do you remember? Yes, I do remember. Yeah. <laughs> do you know that song by a Half Man, Half Biscuit? There's a brilliant song talking yeah. about Crispy Ambulance. Oh, really? It's called it's something along the lines of uh, what is it? Uh, the Great Indie Music Fest. <laughs> yeah. I said, oh no, we're on before the chorus is apparently something like, oh no, we're on before Crispy Ambulance. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's that Sums up the time, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. So uh, when you left college, did you, did you end up straight away working for Hot Press? Doing uh, yeah, I did. Yeah, well, I was yeah. still in college when I started. Oh, were you? There, okay. yeah. Uh, Interviewed uh, by Arthur Matthews, who was the art director really? at the time. That's where yeah. I obviously for Arthur no, Matthews, who co-wrote Father Ted. Yeah. Who? So I ended up working beside him. Mm. Uh, he There's, interviewed you for the job. Yeah, him and Niall and Maureen, you know, and yeah. which apparently they they got the job. George Bourne, you say, that they came in and says, we've got a guy in um, and we've got him. I think he'll quieten things down a bit. He's very quiet and kind of shy, which I kind of, you know, I know how that it can be that way. Like at times I can be a bit like that. And mm. uh, but, you know, you know, whatever. But then like <laughs> that didn't work out quite mm. to plan. But like. But yeah, working with Arthur, yeah, you know, so I was, me and Arthur were both laying out the magazine as, mm. you know, and uh, and it was just the best fun you'd ever had, like work, working with Arthur, like, you know, he, you know, not in a, you know, he wouldn't be a life and soul of the party guy, but just the funniest man you'd ever meet, mm. you know, like, and, he, and there was no aspirations to be a comedian there or anything, just be very, very funny and doing very funny things. I remember the first, day I worked in there <laughs> mm. <laughs> this mad thing I knew it was going to be alright in that job uh, mm. because uh, I was really into graphics it wasn't going to be like the draftsman thing because I was obsessed with graphic, graphic design, design as yeah. it happened so because mm. like art college worked out quite well I thought I'd be mm. kicked out of it and all that like but but it was, I wasn't anyway but but uh, there was this ad we were doing and uh, it was some band from Cork and uh, it was like you know a silhouette uh, thing of them, you know, or like a, you know, where it'd be just black and white and no greys in it. Mm. But there's one of the guys in the band had this uh, bent nose, mm. a hooked nose, and uh, <laughs> Arthur said, uh, "You got a bit of this. We had this letra line, which was kind of you wanted to black something out in those days. You'd sometimes put letra line, or you'd mm. colour it in." And he basically just put a bit of letra line and made his nose straight in the picture in this yeah. ad. <laughs> <laughs> I said, you know, I said, God, you can't do that. Jesus, will there not be trouble about that? Well, look, you know, 
who's going to ring up and complain that I made their nose straight? I <laughs> 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 did it for no other reason than just pure mischief. Yeah, yeah. And I remember just thinking, that's just fantastic. Like, such a, you know, and like, and in, you know, and he was like, it was like I was like his assistant and you kind of mm. knew that this was, yeah, this was, you know, yeah, this was all going to be, this was, this is going to be a good time kind yeah, of thing. And yeah. it was. We used to, and we'd do mad things on the pages and change them or do a mad layout or do some joke on the thing or put a joke headline in or something. Yeah. And like, Niall used to kind of do a last check on everything, but like Hot Press, it used to run so close to the wire that Niall would end up chasing the van to try and get it out, get yeah. the magazine out. So we knew, so what we'd do if we did something on a page, we, you know, Arthur and myself would hide the pages under somewhere and then like just before it comes the van, oh God, I forgot about these couple of pages. And so they'd be put in at the last minute. <laughs> so, and then it'd be when it'd come out. Jesus, what the hell? How did that get in there? <laughs> God, I'm like, I don't know. You know, I don't know. Maybe, yeah, we thought it was okay. You I know? know. I think Fiona Looney told me about him changing uh, some, there was a problem page mm. and he changed. He changed the problem. I can't remember what it was. Yeah, we used to do that on jokey headlines. Like, um, yeah. there was, well, you know, kind of headlines we'd have. George Bourne, God, the late George Bourne, very sadly the late George Bourne, Morris mm. hilarious to work for, have work with, you know, yeah. he was in the production room. We're making up all these kind of jokey headlines, you know, kind of like, there was one like a Freddie White. This was my own, so of course, typically mm. my vanity would, yeah. would see me quoting one of my own. But, you know, like... Um, Freddie White was doing a gig or whatever and he said, you know, Freddie's back, a nightmare on Baggett Street. (laughs) 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 You know, these are... We had another one for him, like, when he had an album, White Supremacy. (laughs) 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 But, uh, yeah, there was all... Yeah, there was another one, which I won't say because of the woman in question, which I don't very... Unpolitically, but the fat lady sings or something was mm. one headline, which was probably mm. less to be proud of, but it was, I suppose. It's the name funny. of a band, Fat Lady Sings, yeah. Yeah. And, and it's a phrase as well, obviously. You know, yeah. Jimmy, Jimmy, an interview, yeah. ah, you know, there was mm. loads of these, but you'd be trying to get them by and yeah. squeeze them in without Niall checking and all the mm. rest of it. Mm. And uh, did you cause mischief among staff? We did, in a way, the whole idea, we did we did the Joshua Trio when we were there. All oh, right, so the Joshua so Trio, in case anyone doesn't know, it's like a, a U2, well... It was it's like a tribute band, a but tribute, it was a but parody. A parody. Like a, yeah. an obsessive yeah. tribute band. We do yeah. U2 songs in loads of different styles, but... Yeah. but the the eve before the first gig, I decided to wear Jesus robes. And the first gig, I wore thorns, but... That, that was the last of the thorns I didn't oh, wear yeah. the thorns and then I had a little be- beads and a little picture of Bono around my neck like yeah. a guru you know and then later on the other members of the band dressed as angels but not, back yeah. then not really the, you know so it was Arthur me and my brother but like yeah Arthur and myself used to be messing like uh, used to be mm. singing U2 songs in swing styles kind of like mm. Uh, and then Arthur was saying, Geez, we should actually get together and do a rehearsal. Mm. And uh, we were going to do it with Damien Corliss and then, I don't know, he didn't want to do it or something or he couldn't do it or something. And then I just said, oh, I'll get my brother who was only 18 or something. But, he, but anyway, we 
but yeah, that was kind of funny because the whole Irish music business, like nobody really said a bad word about you two. It was all kind of like everybody had to be respectful. Most of the journalists used to be because they all used to get uh, junkets over to New York and the like. So mm. they didn't want to be seen saying anything if they because if they opened their mouth, it seemed like maybe they wouldn't be on that list. Whether that's true or not, I don't know. Mm. But who was going to risk that yeah. five nights in New York <laughs> yeah. just to have a little dig at you two or whatever? But. Uh, and in fairness, I suppose Hot Press, Jesus, if you two were on the cover of Hot Press, it sold mm. twice or three times as many copies. So you could see why they were being a little cautious. And I mean, Hot there Press was always struggled. I mean, you know, it was struggled. You know, I have a lot of time for what Hot Press tried to yeah. be. I mean, it did fight the good fight. Mm. Like we were kind of like, bold children mm. when we worked there but like Jesus can you imagine what Ireland was like when Heart Press first was given out mm-hmm. of it the church and the like mm-hmm. they probably could have the whole staff might have ended up in a Magdalen laundry or something you know so but and did you ever get a reaction from you two or Bono for he, the Joshua Tree oh we did yeah I mean they mentioned us in uh, Rolling Stone of course we're delighted yeah. with ourselves you know like they said we were their favourite band yeah. and all this and oh god there's this band in Dublin the Joshua Trio and god you know we love them and they they do all these songs about us and blah 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 and then we ended up doing the single on their label The Flies so we were oh. co-opted you know they mm. uh, we sold out and uh, <laughs> you know <laughs> I would like we were supposed to be like you know that Bono appeared to me in a dream and asked mm. me to spread their their do their songs to reach the people they couldn't reach. This mm. was mm. this was the thing that that we were at. But yeah, and but Hot Press. There was an element to which I think the whole of the, like the whole of the Irish media and Hot Press people in Hot Press wanted to kind of have a bit of a slag off of you two, and we gave them an excuse to do it. So mm-hmm. interviewing us was them. A backdoor kind of yeah, to having have a go, go you know, you and so we would just have a go. Although it was kind of more kind of nonsense, really. It wasn't. I, I don't think it was really having a very serious go. Mm. I, I was. It was always kind of a bit, almost just silly in many ways. Mm. It just seemed funny to us. I mean, we did. I mean, you two, I think, were at their funniest then. You know, around the Joshua Tree, well, most pompous. Bono, Bono on the roof, you know, yeah. and, you know, with the thing. And, and yeah, I remember World in Action documentary, you know, where he's talking about uh, about uh, to the edge, about like, you know, and I turn around, I said to I'm looking at, you know, these footage of El Salvador, we're doing a kind of, and he had an American accent then as well. Mm. It's kind of gone back to being Irish a little bit. But um I said to the edge, give me the sound of El Salvador through your amplifier. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> what can you say? Like, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, there was, so there was all that stuff going on and the speeches were just fantastic, you know. Mm. You know, all those Bishop Tutu, you know. Mm. And all these Americans who, you know, who'd be, you know, who'd probably thought El Salvador was a bullfighter or something. Like <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah! You know, and, uh, but, the yeah. Christian thing. They were, took yeah. the, but you took, you, it took off a bit. You went on the John oh, yeah. Ross show. We were and on, you're yeah, like, like uh, that was after Arthur left, actually, uh, mm. we kind of, it became a four piece then, probably just because it made the gigs better, probably, but, mm. uh, it was, um, yeah, we got on the Jonathan Ross show. Well, we were back in the days when we were with Arthur. We were in the enemy. That was kind of a bit of a break for us, really. That yeah. like they kind of uh, had us. It was actually the summer of love, and the 
you know, when there was a big smiley face when oh. all the dance thing was happening. We right. Were doing that. Yeah, it was around that time. That was Stone 88, was I think, 89. Yeah, that yeah. kind of, yeah. you know, a seed and all that. Yeah. Type, you know, I think that was out or whatever that was. So, But uh, anyway, but later on, yeah, uh, you know, we we got, we were on Jonathan Ross and Rapido and all this and, yeah. uh, and some Scylla Black special type thing. That yeah. was actually the biggest thing we were on. And over there, we did it on Covent Garden on a freezing January you know, I remember me in a bloody robe and bare feet, you know. Mm. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so we got to tour England about four times, you know, mm. and uh, playing a lot of the colleges and all that kind of thing, mm-hmm. um, which was, it was, you know, doing that kind of thing, I suppose. Well, I was probably a bit old for it even, you know, I'd been about early 30s mid to mid 30s, but like it was kind of, in a way, it was the dream we probably all at one stage wanted to do oh my god playing in England although it, gradually it kind of dawns on you well there's not, no real difference playing in college in Middlesbrough than there is in that loan really you know Yeah. except you don't make any money when you're trying to survive in England while you're doing it but it was a real buzz when you were doing it at first and playing in London and places was quite a buzz you know mm-hmm. um, and uh, but yeah it was a and it would go down well. It used to go down well. I mean, our first tour, I remember we got three encores every night. Yeah. So, I mean, you know. Wow. So, like, it was, you know, it was buzzy, like, you know. Mm. And uh, and when, sorry, when that finished, did you um, start with Glam Tarts immediately? You did this well, Glam Tarts. Tony St. James. Tony St. James the, the character as well. Time. I st- oh, started, okay. when Arthur was there, we were doing that. And Father Ted was around that time okay. in a way yeah. in that Arthur used to do Father Ted at Tony St. James gigs so Tony St. James was going at the mm. same time as the trio okay. like and Arthur uh, used to come out and do a sermon in the middle of the gig like in the middle out. of the Tony St. James gig. yeah we just say oh as I'd like priest. to welcome Father who's called Father Ted yes that character uh, Arthur used to be Father Ted yeah and okay. he'd talk about this priest uh, Father Dougal Maguire who yeah, yeah very and he it was a very camp priest Arthur Arthur I think he was the first I've heard to recognise that camp priest which has become a bit of a staple in Irish comedies now I think you know it was sort of um, well it's very sad he spent Christmas up a tree in Africa in the Bob Geldof Centre uh, in and uh, but he was voted most unpopular priest in Africa for two years running now, and uh, and then he had a portable. Oh, sorry, he, box. he'd be talking about some other priest. Yeah, you? Dougal Maguire. Dougal in, Maguire. Okay, in and was, Africa. This was like so, that would be what what he would have said at that time. And then, yeah. but I can remember all right, he coming out in the Olympia one night, and it was kind of like, I'd like to introduce Father Ted. He's gone out a few words. Ah, for, for not a fucking priest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ah, Jesus. No, this is like, but he won them over. Like when he brought out the portable confession box, I think they realised probably this, maybe not a real priest. Uh, you know, so. Um, <laughs> so the father's head he did would have been more a bit. It was more, more camp. camp. A bit like the Graham Norton character. Yes, very much yeah. like the Graham Norton yeah. character. And, uh, you know, the first time Father Ted was actually a sketch that me and Graham and Arthur did because we had this oh. kind of comedy group which we did from time to time, the Fun Bunch, which we'd do these sketches. And Father Ted first appeared. He used to be, Arthur used to be doing this voice and doing a mm. priest in Hot Press. So he'd be kind of doing that Father Ted, no Ted Ted. And so then we did this priest. And that's where, in fact, in Graham's kitchen that 
Graham came up with the Crilly part of it. Like we were trying to think of a second name for him, and Graham said, you know, there was a few suggestions, and then Crilly. Uh, Graham suggested would be it. Is this um, happening for this in, in, in Graham's Graham Lenehan's kitchen? Yeah, up oh. out in Castle Knock, yeah. Mm. And so Father Ted was always what Arthur had. Ted was what he always had. I think he had an uncle, Father Tim, and mm. you know, so it was kind of a bit like Father Ted and and so when we'd be in hot press work and he'd be doing Father Ted quite a bit, we'd be doing different voices and messing and all the rest and doing Bono and God knows what, like I, I don't know, and uh, and Robert De Niro, the kind of things. Mm. I suppose uh, uh, we'd all be at, and, and I actually, uh, you know, whatever. But like Father Ted would come out at the gigs. He'd, uh, you know, and Arthur would do. They were very funny these routines, mm. uh, you know. And Graham used to be in the Joshua Trio gigs. He we do sketches in the middle of the ones in Dublin. I mean, later on it probably became more musicy. But in the early days, like we we did one where. Um, we went back to the first Christmas where Bono, to visit the baby Bono's birth. And we went back in time with Michael J. Fox to visit Bono and give him three gifts, a red guitar, three chords and the truth. (laughs) And then we mislaid the truth. (laughs) (laughs) That was the idea. But uh, I think Graham was the Joshua tree. We got this big duvet of the Joshua tree, would you believe? And he just stood there as the Joshua tree. And then we we did another one where Liam Fay, which I probably imagine he wants to put behind him now, but Mm. he played a guard where he was uh, handcuffed to Kieran for the whole gig. Because remember when Adam Clayton was... uh, arrested for ca- possession of cannabis oh, up in the Dublin mountains at the Blue Light pub. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we, we did a tribute to him then, which was a cover of a song by Francie Conway, who actually I know quite well. Um, uh, mm. But uh, And uh, Clayton Will Be Free, which was about Mandela Will Be Free. It was number <laughs> one, so we did our version of Clayton Will Be Free. <laughs> and uh, so, uh, you know, so that, and he, yeah, so, and actually, oh no, now that I remember, Liam Fay actually did the baby Jesus in the cradle. That, that, yeah? Yeah, because he was very big and he looked funny in a kind of a nappy <laughs> kind of, you know. Uh, so that, that, that's, you know, so we did these sketches and it was like, you know, um, so that would have been the kind of thing. So, but like, uh, but yeah, mm. Father Ted then, yeah, this was just a sketch. It wasn't a particularly good sketch. I did a kind of a Dublin priest, which was... Didn't go quite as well as Father Ted did. Father, you, you know, I remember at, like Father Ted would have gone down well. I mean, we mm. did other gigs. I remember him doing a version of "I Don't Have to Take My Clothes Off to Have a Good Time," you know, and mm. this kind. You know, there'd be little bits we do with Ted. Oh, Ted would sing, yeah. That. yeah. And then like yeah, Arthur, yeah. but it was much later. Like like, and then we had Father Ted. Arthur and I used to do this series on RTE. Um, the starship Roisin, which was meant to be an Irish starship like Star Trek and Captain mm. Bono. Jeez, we can never get away from these people, but Bono, I was Captain Bono on it. Then Stephen Roach was Stephen Spock Roach, who, mm. uh, because he had a cold cycling brain. So he was just <laughs> talking a monotone. He didn't have emotion. He would talk. <laughs> Arthur used to do him. That's yeah. right. Uh, Arthur was always imitating. Actually, we'd sketches Stephen with Roach. Uh, Stephen Roach. Uh, that's right. And he loved cheese. Do you remember he used to do the cheese? Oh, yeah, like yeah, that. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, he had space bicycles and things in it. And then we had Doreen Alien was the chef on board the starship. And Tony St. James was the MC. So we'd yeah. have like, so. Oh, this was on radio, was it? Yeah, oh. it was on RTE. It used to be on the Dempsey show. Mm. Uh, and... Uh, 
for a period and I think it was a bit too mad and mm. they dropped it eventually uh, and uh, so yeah but Father Ted was the chaplain on board the starship so you know and he mm. like, I, I can't remember too many plots and then we had a little fella Johnny Guitar who just used to make sound like a guitar and then you know and like I can't, you know so so that um, was Father Ted's first thing and that, you know that was obviously Arthur but then like Arthur was over in England and you know he'd been working for you know I I, I think the first thing was Lenny Henry kind of spot you know had kind they of wrote was interesting what he him, did yeah. and then yeah, yeah. and then of course Alexi Sale mm-hmm. and that, then they were writing and this guy oh and Smith and Jones of course and, and you've then played Alexi um, Sale I think but then Father Ted was you know was a good while before he resurrected Ted you know and decided but he, that I, it, it was would like, be a series it was always a big thing with them the whole Ted thing and priests mm-hmm. in general like Arthur he, just loves priests really yeah I was talking to him last week <laughs> yeah you know and um You've played. Have you played three characters in Father Ted? Three different characters. Yeah, well, they were very. They were kind of small bits. I, I did uh, the Ziggy Priest. Yeah, uh, it's kind of a dream come true, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, eventually, got to be David Bowie, kind of for mm-hmm. a day or half a day, probably was mm. shooting in Rush. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then I did the the racetrack owner, mm-hmm. and then the taxi driver in the one where a bishop gets a kick up the arse I was the taxi driver who mm-hmm. brought him so yeah that they were yeah that was they were the things I did in Father Ted yeah mm-hmm. um, so. and, and then uh, well actually I suppose Ding Dong Denny O'Reilly uh, is a character you're known for yeah well that was um, obviously ourselves well the two of us yeah I think that was first when Barry Murphy asked us to do stuff on the end I, I used to do this other character on the end, a martial arts guy. Oh, Remember yeah, that? The violent yeah. arts. Oh, Martin. Yeah, that's right. I Martin. forgot about him. Was Martin. Um, Jesus, I can't remember. Martin, Martin. Martin. God, I can't remember yeah, his second I don't name. Know. Yeah, Martin. Oh, yeah, I'll yeah. probably remember it later or maybe not. Uh, um, you know, and uh, then I, uh, and then Barry asked us, would we do, a, I can't remember, like, would we do a couple of songs or you said we'd been mucking around with a couple of songs or something. Yeah, because I remember that we, we were, were driving around the van. I remember what we did. Do you remember that? Oh, wow. Ursula, Ursula, eyes beneath your eyebrows, lips or something. Lips remember beneath those? your nose or something. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. You know, Jesus, and, forgotten uh, about that. Yeah. And then, I, I, and then we had a few other bits and pieces of songs mm. and we had, but the, yeah, there was one of the lads out of Kida who actually played on the Ding Dong album. Mm. Later on, like, but like, and then we did we did that a few times on the end, mm. and that was mm. kind of. And I remember we were just standing in RTE, and we thought up our names, just standing waiting to go on one day, while there was a tea break Jesus. on, which did tend to be quite long. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, gave, uh, it gave us a fair bit of time rules. to work through loads of possibilities for names. But anyway, <laughs> and you you had Scribbler O'Donoghue, uh, uh, and then I. Just thought, ding dong, Denny, you know, mm. after the obviously the Denny sausages ads from mm. the ding 60s and 70s. Ding dong, Denny. Ding dong, Denny. Denny, right. Um, mad on sausages in Northern Ireland, aren't they? You're oh, on the scent of the Cookstown sizzle. That's right. Yeah. George Best used to advertise um, Cookstown. And Pat Jennings possibly did. Possibly did, yeah. Hey, Pat Jennings. Yeah, either Cookstown. The Cookstown sizzle. Yeah. Um, Rather yeah. unfortunate catchphrase given the, the events the that were to happen in the, yeah. <laughs> the Cookstown sizzle. Mm. I bet they dropped that <laughs> catchphrase. <laughs> After a few kneecappings. 
Yeah. Um, and we are re-release we are re-releasing that's right uh, yeah. the crack we had the day we died yeah. for Ireland that's right yeah uh, it should be up there now but I don't know I think uh, iTunes are assessing it or, yeah. or not uh, yeah iTunes are assessing I think by the, the suitability for the public at the moment but I'm they? hoping now within the next couple of days it should be up there but it might be on Spotify already and we're releasing yeah. it to commemorate the 1916 yeah and all that yeah, exactly. Well, we're hoping to get. Yeah. It. Well, I mean, yeah. if it's rewritten, it's a fresh 1916 version. Basically, everyone's doing it. So. Yeah, so Just and um, chance to get a grant. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But we didn't. But uh, no. but we did get permission to film in the waxworks. So mm. so that was almost like a grant in itself. It was a fantastic location. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks to yeah. Paddy Dunning actually for letting us do that. Mm. Um, well, listen, thanks for coming in, Paul. I thought we had to kind of speed it up there because oh, we yeah, missed yeah. out certainly a big chunk of your uh, career. But uh, the ABBA-esque, for example, you did ABBA for... That's right, your, yeah, and the Glam Tarts. The Glam Tarts. The tarts. But the Ding Dong, I suppose, later on and the mm. Harry Bowsies, that was probably a And now you're working on things. And Irish Pictorial Weekly. Weekly. Irish yeah, Pictorial I've been doing Weekly. that for the... Mm. For all the series, yeah, I do the music stuff, which I'm happy to say I record at home now. I have a recording studio mm. set up and all of that, and uh, yeah. I, I love all that malarkey. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's mm. cool. Well, thanks a million, Paul. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Okay, that was uh, Paul Woodfull, and uh, next week I'll be talking to PJ Gallagher. And coming up, I'll be, <laughs> yeah, PJ Gallagher, who, a very surprise ending to that podcast, I, I can tell you that. So uh, um, I was just interrupted there by my producer, Andrew Mangan. So thanks, Andrew, for producing this and laughing. Um, uh, so uh, what was I going to say oh yes so um, if you go on my website also there's a great uh, festival coming up in Inish Ear the, the Craggy Island Festival and you can uh, have a look at that on uh, craggyisland.com um, sounds like a good festival over three days in Inish Ear in the 15th to the 17th of July well thanks for listening if you're uh, on iTunes please give me a star rating and a review and um, thanks to Castaway Media for hosting this podcast. If you go on the website, castaway.media, there's lots more brilliant podcasts on there. And thanks to Daniel Rooney for the music. Uh, Talk to you next week. Goodbye. This was a Castaway Media production. Find more great podcasts on our network. Visit castaway.media. It's easy to save every day at Whole Foods Market. Shop their 365 by Whole Foods Market line. From juice boxes to jerky, it's the flavors that pop, not the price tags. With thousands of items store-wide, you'll find awesomeness on every aisle. Bring it home without compromising your standards, because it's all made without the 230-plus ingredients Whole Foods Market bans from all food. Feel good about what you put on the table and what you keep in your wallet at Whole Foods Market.